0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Mark and
0: Sarah talk
1: about songs, talk about songs, talk about songs. For the 226th time, I am your host, Mark Blankenship, here at Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, And I am joined by my teenage dream of a host, my teen angel, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello.
0: I will answer you, please. (laughs) Um, I'm so excited that we're finally talking about Katy Perry's teenage dream today. I have absolutely use this as an outro more than once um, over the long life of this podcast, back when we started it in the 1840s. (laughs) When Um, gramophones had just rolled off the shelf. (laughs) I'm like, you know, cranking away on the thing. Um, We felt like in recent episodes, we'd been sort of pretty firmly in the 80s and 90s, and we we wanted to leap forward a bit. In time, um, talk about this uh, young lady and her uh, teenage dreams. Um, it's actually a little surprising that we hadn't talked about her before, but better late than never.
1: I mean, I know we, we say that a clip? lot, Sarah, but it really is surprising given our predilections that we had that we've been on the air for f- over five years and never really, with the exception of her Olympic theme in that one episode yeah. we did. We yeah. never really talked about Katy Perry. Well, and I
0: I sometimes think that like when um artists are in uh are in group episodes that we do like that, like it took us a while to get around to like actual Dolly Parton analysis yeah. because she was in the um she was in the Stairway to Heaven episode.
1: Right. Well, and you know 100 years ago. I had a, we had a listener, I can't even remember who it was or when it was, but sometime in the great sea of time that we've been doing this show. Someone noted that we don't talk very much about pop women of the early 2000s. Like we've never done a Kelly Clarkson episode until now. We've never done Katy Perry, which is surprising because I've listened to that music so much. But that's just how the cookie crumbles, as they say. Well,
0: without further ado, then, I believe that we should hear a clip from Teenage Dream. This is a pretty this is a pretty long clip. I try to keep it under a minute. Generally, I, I failed. I think we're well outside of fair use, but there are enough different things going on in this song that I want us to discuss that I, I kind of had to do a range. So here we are.
1: Please don't sue.
0: <laughs> It's lucky that this isn't a video medium because I was Elaine Benising out in my chair. This song has an immediate, predictable, consistently awesome effect on me and my mood every time I hear it. But I would like you, Mark, to tell me what you think of this song. And also then I want to like dig into how it does what it does.
1: Yeah. Okay. There's really... So much to say about this song. I'm going to start with the chart facts around this song because they are so interesting to me. Teenage Dream, the album by Katy Perry, is significant in that it is only the second album in history to generate five number one hits. Mm -hmm. The other album being Bad by Michael Jackson. This was the second single from the album. It, of course, reached number one. It is written by Katy Perry with Max Martin and others. Max Martin being <laughs> Of course. A, I mean, of course. <laughs> Max Martin being the architect of all pop music for the last like five thousand years.
0: I feel like we should add up maybe a Max Martin level to our Patreon. God, yeah,
1: that's actually really true. <laughs> it's like seven
0: seventy-seven a month. I don't even know. Anyway.
1: Like something that suggests the Illuminati, certainly.
0: <laughs> four four i don't yeah, yeah tell us
1: <laughs> listeners and if we were at the max Barton level what would you want from us because we might be able to make that happen but uh and <laughs> the other thing that i think is notable is this is one of only two covers no three two covers three songs total from glee to reach the top 10 the glee cast huh. version of this song made it to number six so that joins Don't Stop Believing" and the original song, Loser Like Me, as the only Glee hits to actually make the top ten. Huh. Okay. Which, to me, to now transition into my opinions, indicates that this song is perfect. <laughs> like, literally any, anybody <laughs> yeah. can sing this song. The fucking cast of Glee can sing the song, and you're like, yes, I like this. I am fascinated, Sarah, that... I think, almost objectively speaking, Katy Perry's voice is unpleasant, and yet this song is perfect. I don't understand how that works. There are actually many Katy Perry songs that I like, despite the fact that I find her voice to just be almost unlistenable. But somehow the the huh. foghorn the foghorn bray of her voice yeah has, it, yeah yeah she has found ways of contextualizing it perfectly and to me this is one of those times there is no question that when this song comes on like you said that my body will be in motion i will be pointing at the end of each one of those staccato syllables in the mm-hmm. chorus you like you have to point you have to point at something you're pointing at your dreams you coming. have to run true. your
0: hands up your body and the mention of the hands on me and skin tight jeans yes. there there's choreo it's, we don't make the rules i mean Actually, listen we're we do. They're but we're,
1: <laughs> we're just human beings Like what are we supposed to do Not re- react this way So that's the big context for me Sarah um, I've actually spoken to Joe Reed about this at length one time About how every Katy Perry single Has a trajectory of resistance Acceptance Enjoyment and yeah. uh, <laughs> It really I, does I, And this is probably the one That got through that cycle the fastest for me Because it's just so fucking good End of part one
0: it's interesting that you point to the um, blaring of the chorus as the place where her voice is unpleasant because I posit that um, the verse vocal um, with the breathy up in her nasal is actually the more unpleasant of the two.
1: Oh, yes. Also true. You're also... We're both correct. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. We can we can hate both things. Um, but uh, I think that that goes that ties in really well to sort of, um, the, I don't even know what, like when lyrically, when you sort of begin this journey with the song, um, the general sense is that the narrator is not aware that her, you know, teenage dream guy thinks everything she does is funny and cute because he wants to fuck her. Right. and then and so this is sort of a um projection of an inexperienced teenager in the throes of her first dickmatization. i guess <laughs> it's like okay look we we were all like this but girl you're not actually that fu- funny like this isn't <laughs> this isn't destiny he just wants to get it in um but then as the song goes on it becomes less clear um, whether that's actually the case or whether the narrator um, has either become sentient over the course of the song or (laughs) actually knows full well that the dream wants to get a leg over. And she's like, but I absolutely control this in my skin tight jeans. Like, you know, I I know what's going on and I am embracing this like first 90 days d- fuck fog that we're both in, but don't think I don't know what's up. Right. And maybe like, you know, Katy Perry's personal history who like, she was raised quite, she was raised pretty fundy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She was a Christian artist who went by her birth name of Katie Hudson at first.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I, that's what I thought I remembered. Um, But so that, I think this sort of um, shittish, but more sincere and less machined vocal on the verse ties in well to what the nar- the narrative is trying to do.
1: Yes, I think. Also, um, oh, sorry. Carry on. No, go ahead. You're just really getting at something that I've always loved about the song too, which is who is this narrator? In terms of her, there's a there's something really shrewd about the writing of the song because we're allowed to think of her as being almost any age we want because she you make me feel like I'm living in a teenage dream maybe right. you're 17 maybe you're 51 and that is one of the reasons I think the song is as exquisite because everyone can imagine that the thrill of first love is coming to them at any age and it kind of makes the song universal and i think that the bridge the wisdom of the bridge that you just noted lends credence Mm -hmm. to the idea that this works as an older person's song and i think it's one of the reasons that it can be loved by all because you're like i feel like i'm 13 but i'm also experienced enough to know exactly what's up and i'm experienced enough to get back to what i think i hear you saying i'm experienced enough to want what i'm getting and yeah yeah
0: And to sort of invert what I think is the maybe dominant narrative from a female pop artist, which is, um, the exploitation that is always happening, whether the narrator is in control of the particular narrative or not. Like, I think this successfully inverts the way that so much pop music is about things occurring before the age of consent. And I believe it there, um, and there's also that like top note of uh, I don't remember exactly where in the marriage to Russell Brand narrative we were. I I do feel like that was so omnipresent in the culture that my resistance to this song was raised even further than usual. And then I just couldn't resist it. But um, that, you know, there was a there was an age difference, as it turns out, it wasn't that big but she was still quite young i think so Mm -hmm. there were some there were some eyebrows raised about that um not mine because my own marital age difference is bigger than theirs but anyway (laughs) um but we're also you know already old and who who cares what dan and i do um in the privacy of our own home, making forts out of sheets. Um, so that, that <laughs> which I accept to be is something like,
1: that you and Dan might have done, by the way.
0: It absolutely is. Um, but another cool thing that this song does, and I'm not exactly sure how it does it. Um, and I think it's tied to like the, that bridge or the sub bridge where she's talking about the skin tight jeans has a real, like, retro 80s sound. Um, Yes. I can't quite put my finger on exactly who, um, but like Patty Smythe, Foreigner, like it just had that like, where, 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 like it just sounds like 1983 at the, at the roller rink. And maybe partly because of that, but in some kind of way, the narrator is able to, throw her sexy confidence to the listener. Like she's, she's like, here, take it. And like being, you know, being sort of confident enough to blast this out the windows of your car is sort of like her is this song's gift to her listeners. I don't know if it's making any sense, but like there are certain songs that it's like, this is a, you know, powerful and empowered anthem that I, I, Observe. But this song is like, this is a powerful and empowered and fun, sexy anthem that I participate in. Yes. And I'm not exactly sure how that happens. I guess the answer, as always, is Max Martin.
1: Well, I think that, I do think it's partly because it's easy to project yourself into this song for reasons already discussed. And I think it's also. We've talked about this before, but this song is such a great example of it that when you can shout along with something, And no matter your Mm -hmm. level of vocal ability, it is easier to embrace it. And I absolutely agree with you that if this shit is coming out of my car, all I have to be able to do is scream the words you make me. It's very satisfying. (laughs) It is.
0: And here's the thing. You can be at a stoplight under the BQE in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, in your tiny little smart car. It's basically a roller skate with a radio in it. So you've heard radio, though. I have bugged out to this uh, and I've been at a stoplight and it's like on either side of me is a big Escalade with a mean looking security dude driving it and they'll just look over at me and I'm like, I'm rolling both windows down. (laughs) We're all doing this and they do it like they respond to the choreo. You can't not. It's such a good song. Yeah. It's like absolute building of a person who's probably driving the mayor is like churning the butter in the driver's seat. (gasps) That's right. Bucket A. Katy Perry, Max Martin. Love it.
1: And the other thing that happens in the bridge that just I defy anyone not to be delighted by it is when I just love that the bridge, like you said, has that sort of retro vibe. And then it does that sort of echoey thing where it disappears into the distance. Uh And there's that little hitch of silence. And then the whole wall of sound comes crashing back and she hits Mm -hmm. that strangled high note and it's just amazing. Yeah. You make me. It's just like, girl, I sound just as good as you. Let's holler it out.
0: I really... I I mean, and the thing is, like, vocally, she really isn't... It's weird that, like, her most sort of um, emblematic singles, I think, don't really... Like this style does not necessarily uh, avail itself of her, what she would do well. Mm-hmm. Like this this focal is as discussed um, a C minus for a for a number of reasons and in a number of departments, and yet it's it's perfectly suited to this. but like generally yes. speaking, it's always been interesting to me that like I would not say that she is a triumph of styling over substance because I don't think that's true. But I I also think that sometimes her, you know, the machine asks her to input things that she doesn't have to give, if it mm-hmm. makes any sense. I don't know.
1: I would, yeah. It, this is also, of course, making me think about, I think of this as the great sparkly elephant in the room with any Katy Perry conversation. The vocal disaster that is the song Firework. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And yet, actually, that's that is a better sort of um, exhibit a for my argument.
1: Baby, you're a (laughs) fireball.
0: Yeah, I mean, it does. It does sound like maybe fiber is needed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like chic. And yet Firework is actually not a song I like very much. So I was very glad that you suggested we talk about Teenage Dream. Because like you're so right. And I don't know that I know the answer to this mystery. Like, why is this exactly the right showcase for her voice when it's also the wrong showcase for her voice?
0: Yes. Thank you. Much more cogently put. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. We would, <laughs> we would love to uh, hear from you what your theories are. Like, this is one of those times when. I really wish one of us had gone to grad school in like music theory and how like the the actual building blocks and we could like describe them a little better and then diagnose this. But I just, you know, when I think about other genres, I don't think it necessarily would work in her favor any more than this does. I just right. like maybe, you know. Her her voice is like a folk singer voice, but then she is just not. That's not who she is. So,
1: but she actively D- wants to be someone who is firing whipped cream out of the nozzles on her bra. Mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell she didn't does. really do that. <laughs>
0: no, she didn't. I am in the middle of a biography of her as we speak, and to date, no whipped cream. No lingerie.
1: (laughs) Like, I'm pretty sure that Janice Ian never once has wanted to spray any sort of condiment out of her brassiere. (laughs)
0: Look, there's there's a place. There's a place (laughs) for that.
1: (laughs) Like, I learned the truth at 17 that you can spray mustard out of your bra is not what Janice Ian was ever going to say. And there is something about... And, like, Katy Perry also, it's such a knife's edge with her because... Even on this album, it goes way too fucking far sometimes in the aggressively confectionary uh, Mm -hmm. direction. Like the song California Girls on this album, I find exhausting. And she can Mm -hmm. be such a tryhard Katy Perry. But yeah. this this song is the perfect moment of, like, it's exactly the right amount of effort. It's There's also somehow magically an effortlessness to parts of this song, which is just very rare for her. Uh, and, you know, I also think that we shouldn't discount the appeal of a simple and pretty melody. And the the line, don't ever look back, don't ever look back, that's just pretty. And so the song has this combination of shouting, of, like... Tempo changes, volume changes, and then little melodic lines that are pleasant. And it's just all of those things that light up the pleasure centers in my brain.
0: Yeah. I mean, and like all the best parts of being a teenager in lust and like none of the bad parts, like there's a lot of um, sort of good detail and specifics. um, But then there's a bunch of like impossible things that you would like, let's do this. Like, when you're 18 or whatever, that it's like, let's just get in the car and drive in one direction. We run out of gas. That's where we live. Like, I, I don't know. There's that is appealing, especially coming from someone whose life has had various eras of strict regimentation uh, pretty much always. So,
1: yeah, I agree. And this is getting back to the episode we did on cut to the feeling by Carly Rae Jepsen Mm -hmm. about certain songs are just a license to let yourself not be so responsible. (laughs) Yeah. And I think for both of us as people who have never met an assignment, we can't finish early. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really, I mean, we've said this a thousand times, but the, one of the central defining moments of our entire friendship is when we were meeting to drink down at that bar in downtown and we both showed up five minutes early. <laughs> yeah. But we were like, or was sort it like trying, 10 minutes early?
0: Trying to be cool, like on another corner and being like, yeah. I'm actually nearby. Like, I don't know <laughs> who, why we bothered with that. <laughs> like, if Fig we say we're going to meet some. Uh, it's like, fine. I'm normal. I showed up exactly on time. Like who even does that?
1: Nobody. If you and I say that we're going to meet somewhere at five, we know that we'll be there in time for brunch. Hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> also, like scheduling phone calls is sort of like who who is going to passive aggressively call in a minute or two minutes early? It, it really is like it's like the prisoner's dilemma, but with being ruthlessly prompt. <laughs>
1: And then sometimes I, I, one of, if one of us calls, if we have a call scheduled for 10 and one of us calls at ten oh one, the other person answers and is like, who the fuck is this? I know it's not yeah. you because you would never be this fucking late. <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? Are you in the emergency room? <sighs> okay, before we, before we go any further, I do also want to note this song is co-written not only by Katy Perry and Max Martin, but by a woman named Bonnie McKee who I think is an unsung hero for these songs uh, from this era, because she also co-wrote a song of Katy Perry's called Part of Me, which is great. She co-wrote the song Dynamite by Tayo Cruz, and I think, and quite a few other hits, Roar, California Girls, whatever. I think that Bonnie McKee is probably adding things that are very important that I don't have the sophistication to understand, but she seems to always be present at the songs that find the right balance that we're discussing here.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: So I just want to say, I see you, Bonnie McKee. I don't know what I see you doing mm-hmm. exactly, but I know I see you doing something.
0: <laughs> and if you're listening to this, please feel free to reach out and explain <laughs> to us. We would we would literally seriously like to be added by you about your craft.
1: Yeah, like honestly, would read an entire book or at least mm-hmm. lengthy article.
0: Yeah, I mean that's my teenage dream.
1: <laughs> I really also just do think it's so funny that both of us are. I I think that we both really do find a lot of joy in songs that make us feel like we don't have to be so punctual. <laughs> Maybe.
0: I mean, I, I don't know. I've accepted my, I've accepted my um, punctuality, my oh punctual-osis, yeah, punctualosis, but. but-
1: but that's why I like these songs, because I don't want to live in that space. But I would like to just occasionally go there. And if it's, it is also true that I am likely to listen to this song while I'm on a treadmill, carefully monitoring every single detail of the run I'm on. So it's like always a combination of release and complete control.
0: Mm. Yeah, just as the narrator intended. I mean, look, I do not enjoy singing or dancing in front of people. But this song lets me do both in traffic. So this is what I was saying about like there is a confidence and a um, con- like a control without being too controlled that I think really speaks to our um, little apple polishing hearts.
1: I agree. And that is a gift that a pop song like this can give us. And I am happy to unwrap it and then smooth out the wrapping paper and carefully store it for use later. Mm-hmm. Same. You going to iron it? Um, it depends on how nice it is, quite frankly. <laughs> is it that real good Hallmark wrapping paper? Then I might, because, you know, it's got the lines on the back to help you cut it appropriately. You need to keep that. That's special.
0: Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's glitter on it also.
1: Oh, Lord. Now, see, you want to say that. It complicates
0: the assessment somewhat.
1: Yes. That's fair. I mean... It's well. The point is, it's just all special, and we just thank Katy Perry. And I don't know where, how I don't know how Lurleen came on in the room, but here we are. <laughs> Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, That's Me, and Sarah D. Bunting.
0: That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com.
1: To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at markandsarahtalkaboutsongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too.
0: That's Mark and Sarah, with an H, talkaboutsongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash
1: mastass. Thanks for listening.